Welcome to Decoding Learning Differences with Kimberlyn Lavelle. This episode is what happens with my child's IEP if I homeschool. So first of all, it varies by state. If you are in some states, they actually let you keep the IEP um, completely. And in other states, you still, well, in all states, you're entitled to something, some kind of services if you want. So you definitely are going to need to do a little bit of digging into your specific state laws, but I'm going to give you some things to think about before you go digging. So keep in mind that you are entitled to something. It is not true that homeschool kids are not entitled to anything, um, at least as far as I've seen. That's not true. They are entitled to something some in some way. Sometimes it's just not nearly the same. <clears throat> It also varies based on how you are homeschooling. If you are homeschooling completely independently with no anything accountability to anybody, you don't have to even fill out a form, you don't have to do anything, it might look a little different. If you are homeschooling, but it's through a public school district, then you're going, you're part of a public school, you're actually would have probably, most likely you, it would, you would be in a situation where you can keep the IEP. Um, Public charters, same thing. So if you're with a public charter, you'd keep your IEP. So they would actually provide those services for you. They would have the annual IEPs for you. They would, they are a private, they are a public, sorry, they are a public school. A public charter is a public school. And if you're homeschooling through them, they would provide all of those IEP services and keep the IEP up to date. If you are homeschooling as a private school, um, I don't know how many states have this as an option. California does, which is where I'm based. Um, you can fill out a private school affidavit and tell them I'm a private school. I'm homeschooling my, you know, you're not saying you're homeschooling your children. You're saying you are schooling your children in your own personal private school. So you would then fall under the rules that govern private schools Private schools get typically, and again, this does vary a little bit by state, some private schools actually keep IEPs. Um, more often, they'll get a service plan or an individualized service plan, ISP. So in that case, you would still get some level of services. Usually, it's kind of more a consultation versus a direct service, but direct services can happen on a service plan. So look into that. Um, talk to local people who know. Sometimes it's the local school district. Sometimes they're not familiar because they just don't do it very often. And you'll get people who say something without really knowing the truth. So dig around a little bit and see, okay, you know, if they answer you and act like they know, just ask them, how many people do you have that are on this plan? Um, even a, a range, like, do you have like less than 10? Do you have more than 100? The more people they have, the more likely they are to actually know what the law is around that for your specific everything, your specific state, county, district, whatever it is. So find out about that. So there is the Department of Education does have this um, guide that is available at ed.gov. There's a link below that you can just click and it'll take you straight to this PDF um, that's put out by the U.S. Department of Education. So it kind of goes into private school considerations, and then you would have that as a, like a, 
a guide that would also be true if you are in any way your own private school or you're homeschooling through a private school, um, which also is an option. Okay, but before you decide whether or not you're keeping your IEP, think about what is the purpose of the IEP. An IEP is an individualized education program. You are individualizing a child's education. You are saying that the general education that everyone else at that grade level is getting is not enough to meet the needs of your child. Your child needs speech and language services, specialized academic instruction. Your child needs something extra, something more individualized. They need to work on these specific skills that they theoretically were supposed to get in a previous grade and they didn't master it and they need to keep working on it. But you're homeschooling, so ideally your education is very individualized. What you are teaching your second grader and your fifth grader are different. Even if you're using the same curriculum for your second grader that you did for your fifth grader when they were in second grade, you're probably doing it a little differently because it's a different child and every child is unique and every child needs an individualized education. I believe that every child's education should be as unique as they are. And every child is unique. So you probably are already providing your child with an individualized education program. You probably don't need the legal piece of paper following you around to do that. But there are some really good reasons to keep it. One, one good reason I think of to keep either an IEP or an ISP is if you would just like a little bit of guidance on how do I teach this? My child is struggling with fractions and I can't figure it out. What do I do? You've then got somebody who will respond to you and say, this is what you can do. And if they're good, they might really be worth keeping the IEP for. Um, so one thing is just having that person for consultation. <clears throat> Other consideration, are you ever gonna go back to a public school? If you are maybe gonna send your child back to a public school either next year or in high school, or you just aren't sure if they're gonna like it and if they, if you might be putting them back into a public school, it's much easier to keep them on ISP or IEP and then back into public school straight back onto an IEP. It's like seamless or almost seamless. There's like very little transition, it's pretty easy. If you were to remove them from an IEP and have them out for over a year or a year, a full year, then when you go to put them back, you're like, oh, he needs an IEP though. They're gonna make you do a full initial all over again. So minimum, minimum of 60 days before they have the assessment done, but really it's more like 75 because they have a 15 days before they have to get you an assessment plan and then 60 days before they have to assess. So 75 days of school out of 180, you, well, no, actually it's calendar days, so it's not out of 180, but 75 days, calendar days, um, so it does count weekends, but about two and a half months into the school year before your child might be back on an IEP. Um, and if they're really, and if you know that you're gonna need it immediately, 
you might want to just make sure all that stuff stays in place. Go from an IEP to an ISP if that's how it happens in your area. Find out what is available to homeschoolers so that as soon as you put your child back in, they are immediately back on an IEP. Um, if you have your child out and their triennial is due, you're going to have to have those assessments done either while they're out or then as soon as you're back, then you are going to face that like 75-ish days of going through all of that to get them back onto an IEP or have a current IEP. Um, the triennial is every three years, a child has to be reassessed to see if they still qualify for an individualized education program, um, if they still meet one of the 13 qualifying disabilities. And you might be like, yeah, of course he does. He still has autism. It hasn't gone away. Why would, why do we have to do this? You know, so keeping up to date on it means that there's no lapse. So consider that. Other considerations to think about is, does your child need speech services or occupational therapy services or anything like that, that you might still be able to get direct services? It's not about the academic side, which you might feel totally comfortable covering, um, but it might be other skills that they're really struggling with and you feel like having that professional support would be helpful. Now, saying that, you might not want to do it yourself or you might not want the school to do it you might and you're not doing it yourself you might want to go through your medical insurance to get those services speech services are available through medical insurance occupational therapy is available through medical insurance physical therapy um so all of those like extra i don't want to say extra all of those services that aren't like purely academic are generally available through medical insurance and you can go through medical clinics and make that happen. So it might be worth going through your insurance, seeing what you can come up with. If you're not sure, you might want to just go down both roads because sometimes the district is held to tighter timelines. So sometimes you're going to get things happening a little bit faster at the district, actually, um, the school district. But sometimes the medical you might like better and sometimes they're faster, you know, Based, they, they go more like, what when are we available, <laughs> rather than we have this much time. So um, you'll, you tend to do better with, um, you, you tend to be more consistent in timelines with school districts, but sometimes there's, you might like someone better in the medical field, maybe it'll happen faster, you know, you look out and it just happens faster, or any number of things that might impact your why you might choose to go with the medical insurance um you tend to have a little bit more choice in who your child is seeing if you don't like a particular speech therapist in the school district they're gonna say too bad that's who you got in the medical insurance model they might say okay no problem here's someone else um and you can try someone else now some school districts will accommodate you and provide a different speech therapist, but they aren't legally required to. They just have to provide you with someone. So that's why I'm saying they might, you might have more options in the medical model, but you might not. It, it's so dependent on your very specific circumstances, which is kind of the beauty of all of this. And one of the difficulties of trying to talk to people about homeschool is everyone's situation is so different. So I'm trying to give you some general ideas, things to think about, things to look into, but I can't 
guide you at all specifically on what you in, in particular should choose. But think about those things. Think about what are my state, look into what are your state laws? How are things set up in your state? What is happening around you locally? What medical options do you have? What are your plans for the future? Um, what, how are you in particular homeschooling? What's your, you know, model of accessing homeschooling? So keep those things in mind. And I would love to know what you decide and how that's working for you. You can always email me at Kimberlyn at decodinglearningdifferences.com. And I would love to hear from you. I will talk to you again next week.